have a theory. Hating someone feels disturbingly similar to being in love with them. I've had a lot of time to compare love and hate, and these are my observations. Love and hate are visceral. Your stomach twists at the thought of that person. The heart in your chest beats heavy and bright, nearly visible through your flesh and clothes. Your appetite and sleep are shredded. Every interaction spikes your blood with a dangerous kind of adrenaline, and you're on the brink of fight or flight. Your body is barely under your control. You're consumed, and it scares you. Both love and hate are mirror versions of the same game, and you have to win. Why? Your heart and your ego. Trust me, I should know. It's early Friday afternoon. I'm imprisoned at my desk for another few hours. I wish I was in solitary confinement, but unfortunately I have a cellmate. Each tick of his watch feels like another tally mark, chipped onto the cell wall. We're engaged in one of our childish games, which requires no words. Like everything we do, it's dreadfully immature. The first thing to know about me, my name is Lucy Hutton. I'm the executive assistant to Elaine Pascal, the co-CEO of Bexley and Gammon. Once upon a time, our little Gammon publishing was on the brink of collapse. The reality of the economy meant people had no money for their mortgage repayments, and literature was a luxury. Bookstores were closing all over the city like candles being blown out. We braced ourselves for almost certain closure. At the 11th hour, a deal was struck with another struggling publishing house, Gammon Publishing was forced into an arranged marriage with the crumbling, evil empire known as Bexley Books, ruled by the unbearable Mr. Bexley himself. Each company stubbornly believing it was saving the other, they both packed up and moved into their new marital home. Neither party was remotely happy about it. The Bexleys remembered their old lunchroom foosball table with sepia-tinted nostalgia, They couldn't believe the airy fairy gammons had survived even this long, with their lax adherence to key performance indicator targets and dreamy insistence on literature as art. The Bexleys believed numbers were more important than words. Books were units. Sell the units. High-five the team. Repeat. The gammons shuddered in horror, watching their boisterous new stepbrothers practically tearing the pages out of their Brontes and Austins. How had Bexley managed to amass so many like-minded stuffed shirts, far more suited to accountancy or law? Gammons resented the notion of books as units. Books were, and always would be, something a little magic and something to respect. One year on, you can still tell at a glance which company someone came from by his or her physical appearance. The Bexleys are hard geometrics, The gammons are soft scribbles. Bexleys move in shark packs, talking figures and constantly hogging the conference rooms for their ominous planning sessions. Plotting sessions, more like. Gammons huddle in their cubicles, gentle doves and clock towers, poring over manuscripts, searching for the next literary sensation. The air surrounding them is perfumed with jasmine tea and paper. Shakespeare is their pinup boy. The move to a new building was a little traumatizing, especially for the gammons. Take a map of this city, 
make a straight line between each of the old company buildings. Mark a red dot exactly halfway between them, and here we are. The new Bexley and Gammon is a cheap gray cement toad squatting on a major traffic route, impossible to merge onto in the afternoon. It's arctic in the morning shadows and sweaty by the afternoon. The building has one redeeming feature, some basement parking, usually snagged by the early risers, or should I say, the Bexleys. Elaine Pascal and Mr. Bexley had toured the building prior to the move, and a rare thing happened. They both agreed on something. The top floor of the building was an insult. Only one executive office? A total refit was needed. After an hour-long brainstorm that was filled with so much hostility, the interior designer's eyes sparkled with unshed tears. The only word Elaine and Mr. Bexley would agree on to describe the new aesthetic was shiny. It was their last agreement ever.